Up next on Inside Champ Car, the 14 hours of Atlanta debrief. Welcome to the Inside Champ Car Podcast. I'm Brian Belansky. And I'm Bill Strong. Today we rewind and recap the season opener at Atlanta. Our guest is Cliff Beisler, the crew chief for the race-winning NLS Racing 1993 Nissan 240SX. We've got a tech tip to talk to you about and a whole bunch more. Good morning, sir. Good morning from frozen Virginia. Is it cold out where you're at, too? Uh, it's going to be 90 today. Oh, it was like frozen at Road Atlanta. At least this year, we didn't have snow. First time in two years, we have not had snow at that track. And, uh, at, you know, the Road Atlanta, or is it Michelin Raceway Road Atlanta? Most beautiful track you ever been to. And that's from a racer's perspective. I absolutely love this track. It's number one and two on my list, and number one and two back and forth between that and Sebring. Wow. Um, Sebring? It's. Uh, yeah, I like Sebring mainly because it's a track that uh, will beat you up, right. your car up, your dog up, everything. But Road Atlanta has everything. The S's, the, uh, uh, the straightaways, the turns that are really slow, and, tra and corners that will scare the G-Weebies out of you, whatever those are. <laughs> my, and, my favorite tracks are Road Atlanta, uh, Ro uh, Road America, Mid-Ohio. And and Laguna Seca is growing on me. Yeah, um, the West Coast tracks are a little different. Yeah, they're they're they you know they seem to be either earlier tracks designed you know for racing. Um, they pretty much stayed the same. Yeah, you know some 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 tweaked. Um, you know like Willow Springs and that is is pretty much the same since it started. Uh, Laguna kind of changed over the years. Right. Um, you know, due to the really fast cars, um, like GTP cars and such. Right, right. Um, but you know, tracks like, uh, you know, road America, I'm sorry, road Atlanta. I always, so I'm going to do that. I'm going to, when we go to road America, I'm going to call it road Atlanta. When we go to road Atlanta, I call it road America. Um, but, <clears throat> um, that track has pretty much stayed the same with the exception of turn a and turn B or turn 10 a right. and turn 10 B. Um, gravity cavity, I think they call it nice that, that would launch, you know, cars would go in there so fast, go under the bridge and basically take air as they came down that 15 story drop or whatever right, right. it is. Well, no, they were, they would take air before the bridge. It wasn't the was part it? at the bridge. Okay. It was, it was at the bottom of the hill, um, before you start going up towards the bridge. Okay. And, and I don't know what was the deal with that, but they lost a couple GTP cars. They had a bunch over. of crashes, like really bad crashes. Yeah. They, they yeah. would have that a couple of, uh, this was back when the American Le Mans series would be there for the petite. Uh, they would, uh, they had a couple of prototype cars that would basically get air under the nose and they'd come up and do this beautiful picturesque backflip thing. Yeah. Which was great until it landed. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, it so, was so quiet. Yes, it was. It was gorgeous until it landed. So, yeah. all right. But yeah, they they changed that and did. Uh, yeah. You know, it really it's it it slowed them down as they went over that bridge. But you still have that. You know, as an amateur racer, you still have that. Oh, what what's the word I want to use? Excretion. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. one of those. As you come over that hill, and I, I I had a we did a test day with one of my drivers. Um, his mom was standing right beside me, and uh, he'd never been there. Um, only video game stuff. But right. when he came out, out under that bridge, all I heard was, holy, you know, holy, let's say crap. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, what is it? elevation drop? Yeah. And, you know, his mom just starts laughing and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had the open. We didn't have the headphones on. So it was like open radio. It's like, wow, dude, come on. <laughs> Your mom's standing right here. But, it was, but it's a big, big drop. And it yeah. can scare you because at the bottom of that drop is a wall. So uh, that uh, played a lot into it this weekend. We we didn't have many people into the into the wall like we had in the past, but we had some uh, close calls down the front straightaway into the grass. Um, Visceral Racing pretty much took the lead from the start and yeah. uh, held it all the way. The nine five nine car, um, they run two cars: the nine eighteen and the nine five nine. Nine five nine is the new car. Nine eighteen is the car that's been around forever. For, started its first race, I want to say Summit Point many, many years ago, um, has uh, gone through all kinds of iterations with uh, weight loss and the whole bit. But uh, <clears throat> they, during the practice session, they 
they found that the 959 was extremely um, twitchy. I think okay. that was the word it was used. And it took a lot to drive that car. So they put all the, instead of having the drivers split up in, you know, normally the, I want to say better drivers, the faster drivers will go into the 918. Okay. But because of the twitchiness of this car and uh, they thought it was better to put the experienced drivers into the 918 and the less experienced in 959. Um, sorry. Yeah. Less experience in 959 and more experience in 918. Right. Ah, get that wrong again. But, you know, you know what I'm trying to get at. <laughs> I got you. So, uh, but they, um, and it worked. Um, right. Unfortunately, the, the car was really, really on edge. And you could see that with their, um, one of their pro drivers was in the car. Uh, the guy's, uh, I want to say a lead engineer at Rivian or some sort of engineer, at product engineer at uh, Rivian Pickups. Got it. Um, he, uh, the electric truck company. Yeah, yeah. And that. That guy could wheel, man. I just watching the video from the in car, just all his hand. I, you know, we were, we shoot at like 30 frames a second. It right. might be 60 frames at what, but uh, you could not see his hands most of the time move. You know, it was just insane amount of arm to arm movement, but wow. that's how twitchy that car was. Um, so they led, and then uh, uh, right behind them was kind of, you know, it was, it was running back and forth between, uh, I can't think of their name, the, the, Levithia? The Capri. No, the Capri. Oh, the Capri. Uh, Let me see if I can find that here. I have their name here. So, oh, they finished like 15th or something like that. Uh, Freddie Mercury, 18th place. Oh, yes. So yes. Freddie Mercury. Yeah, the Freddie Mercury Capri. Really, really fast. By the way, um, my, my favorite team name. Yeah, it is pretty I, awesome. Just, it was so cool. I was like, don't I, don't call it a Mustang. They get really upset. It, it, well, of course, because then the Freddie Mercury name doesn't work, you know, but yeah, the, yeah. when they were first talking about it on the broadcast, I'm like, there's actually a driver named Freddie Mercury. I'm like, that oh, is yeah. so cool. And then I realized, no, it's not the driver. It's the dang car. That's so cool. Right. They um and and Freddie Mercury, they were just they were in a groove, man, and they were in it and uh, they, they knew they had to do an extra stop. But I think with the fuel changes, everybody had to do almost everybody had to do an extra stop with the exception of the Porsches. And that's how they were able to to take that that, you know, get a two lap lead on everybody. Um, but come down to the wire um, with an hour to go Ron, I had done an interview with Ron beforehand and I'd asked him, I said, you know, how, how is that car? Tw the twitchiness of it. And he he let out that he actually hadn't driven yet. Okay. I thought he had earlier, but they had put in their guys in it and he was going to take the last stint. Well, last in at nighttime. And he did a few laps in the car and you could really see him working it. And um, he came up over the bridge, hit a black spot or a uh, uh, pavement repair uh, in the brakes and the car shot right. Yeah, and yeah. when it did, it ended up hitting the wall, put it into the wall, um, was able to get it stopped in a precarious position. And, and of course, we're in the tower thinking, who is that? Um, cause I saw just when I looked over, he'd already come to a stop. All we saw was just headlights. Couldn't really see what it was. And then, uh, Paulie switched over to uh, visceral's camera and boom, he stopped. That's him. And, uh, you could see him trying to move the car. They were, he was stuck in the mud. Uh, they were able to pull him out, um, as, uh, the nine Oh, or, uh, the, the NLS racing passed him. And he was able, you know, he was able to get it going, but only made it about 150 yards, maybe 200 yards before he realized that the steering on it was really messed up mm -hmm. and there was just no way he could move. Got so it. he pulled it off again and it took him a little while to, to go to get it back up. But we also had Hong North and the Capri tangle and, um, they, uh, you know, they, they, they weren't happy with each other. Hong <laughs> North was able to get the car back out. The Capri was not right. Okay. Um, yeah. And uh, the, the Capri dropped down um, the uh, <clears throat> I want to do a shout out for the uh, let me see here um, for the garage 65 guys. Those guys were on and on and on about us mentioning their name <laughs> on the show. They wanted Bob to mention the name. And uh, well, of course, you know, yeah. So uh, Brian, say garage 65 garage 65. Was there we out go there this weekend with a great there we run. Whoop. And uh, they say, uh, <laughs> silence your phones, right? There you go. There you go. <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, that happened. And then uh, that allowed the, uh, uh, the Toyota MR2 of Leviathan Motorsports to move up from about fifth place 
um, uh, into uh, second place. And uh, they were wor- really worried, too. They were really close on fuel, though. When I interviewed them, oh, yeah, we got plenty of fuel. But I know that Toyota MR2, and I know they were on fumes. Sure, sure. So, um, but so- Hong Kong stayed out there, and they were able to get fourth and pass at the end to get fourth. And that car was absolutely on edge as you sat there at turn 12 and they came down. All you heard was tire squeal and uh, hitting the curbing. And there was a couple of points where I swear I got hit with in the face with dust right there because nice. he was kicking up so much dirt as he came down there nice. trying to get every ounce out of that car. So let's talk for a second. I know there were some issues with uh, dr- driving under the yellows. Because I know, of course, like all of us, we don't like to go full course yellow in road racing if we can at all avoid it. Uh, yeah, but, we... but but there was a point in time where the the race director had to make a call. <laughs> yeah, there was um, there, it was, you know, I think it's funny, but you know, it's it's it, when nothing happens, you think it's funny. You don't you don't think it's funny when they're doing it around sure. uh, the safety folks right. or whatever. But you know, not only did there was there passing under yellows, there was passing under yellows right in front of the tower oh yeah right coming down the hill yeah you know we and i never saw the flag or whatever it's like dude we've got the flag at the top of the hill we've got a flag at the start finish line and you've got a flag at the corner of turn one that right. you're just looking at as you're and, taking and the you corner. passed on your second time past that incident yes <laughs> yes they passed you know and and it wasn't just one or two cars it was a lot of cars yeah. and uh dana was I want to say a millisecond away from black flagging the whole field. Wow. And uh, there was a, you know, he's not taking, he, he's, he's taking this very serious. I mean, we take it very seriously sure. all the time, but there comes a point when, uh, you know, the track is looking at you going, dude, you know, and right. you have to do something. I mean, it, well, he does anything anyway, but sure. And, and in the past we've done that. He did have us come to Jesus meeting before the race uh, instead of stopping it, thinking that would work. And it kind of did. Um, we still had some, uh, some some issues of folks out there who did spend a lot of time talking to our pit in folks at Black Flag. So does does Champ Car have the system where they can talk to all of the drivers in their in their ears at the same time? No, we we wait for them to come down pit lane and then we punch them in the face and say, "Listen to me." Okay, okay, you know, because uh, we do we 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 don't have that. Um, that's just a, an extra cost that I think a lot of folks won't be happy with. What we did do is we did put in the flagtronics units, which we've discussed right. in the past. And a lot of folks, this is their first time using it, or it's the first time since they've, uh, uh, with sort of the final iteration, right. um, not a beta test, but, uh, and they absolutely loved it. We did have an issue though with Uh-oh. it. Um, somebody programmed the wrong pit in at, uh, and so when <laughs> the pit timer wasn't working, um, you know, road Atlanta, you have two pits, you have right. the uh, pro pit and the club pit. We sure. use the outer club pit. Okay. And, uh, but the timer would have worked perfect if you'd gone down the pro pit. <laughs> I'm sure it would have. I'm sure it would yeah. have. So 47 cars on the club pit, that's going to be a fairly tight pit lane. We've done almost 90 and yeah, it was on, on, well on, uh, on the pro pit and we've done a hundred plus in, um, the club. Now, the club is in multiple tiers, right? So you have multiple areas that we can set up cars in. So right. it's it's plenty of room on okay. that side, and that's usually why we use that side because of the space. So I watched a lot of the coverage, and by the way, you guys did a great job. Uh, and and I just sat around a lot, let Polly and Tiffany well, and Bob. Well, I think do all the, the reason it was so good is because I didn't hear you very much. Yes, yes, um, that's and and I, there was a lot of Bob Varsha, which is yes. is is makes my heart warmed. Yeah, we um, told Bob he had to earn his money this weekend, so you know he had he, he had to talk more. <laughs> that's so good, but uh, but yeah. So I watched a lot of the race, and and obviously Visceral ran up front, ran up front, and and then I had to to walk away for the last hour or two, and and I was really surprised when I looked at the results at the end and found them down in fifteenth or fourteenth here, and I didn't understand. I didn't know what the the story was. I, I didn't have time to go back yeah. and look at the stream. So so and then of course the boys and, and, and gals from NLS came up and and you know was able to to grab the win there 
And and it, it's always funny. I, I hear people because, you know, I'm an endurance racing freak. And, you know, when the lead car has got a two lap or three lap lead and it has a problems, you know, they say something like, you know, the first pl- you know, the winner stole the race or lucked into it. Do, I mean, if you race for 13 and a half hours or 14 hours and and are up front, regardless of what happened to anybody who might have been a fr- you you've earned that win. Yeah. I mean, we had, you know, three racing. They've done pretty well over the years. They, you know, they don't do a lot of racing with us. You know, people are busy. Sure. But um, they found themselves in 10th place. Rotary Rocketeers, the 90 Mazda RX-7 did in, in 9th place. And that car, RX-7s don't traditionally do well unless they have swaps. That car did really well, 9th place. The John Allen Special Mini, that had some pro drivers in it and a bunch of photographers that think they're drivers. And... uh I'm kidding, guys. Ooh. But um, they they are uh, they're they're a really good set of guys. They've been racing with us from the very beginning. John Allen Special in that Mini Cooper, eighth place, man. That's pretty awesome. The BMW 325, the Purple Sparkles uh, team. That that car did really well too. Uh, which is uh, Crank Anchors Racing. Um, crank Anchors. You don't want to walk by that car, especially if you have a wife when you get home, because they have sparkles and glitter all over that car, and it tends to get on you, and you have to explain why you have glitter when you've been to Atlanta. I'm glad you've warned yeah. me. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, Team Infinity with their 94 uh, Infinity, the Shark car, finished sixth. Uh, he go. had some serious issues at the start of the race. Transponder wasn't turned on, um, had a lot of issues with that, and uh they ended up fighting their way, way back to a sixth place. Who, you know, when I saw them like struggling at the start of the race, ah, they're they're so far out of this. Nope, there they are on second thought racing in their ninety one Miata. Um, they are fifth place. Hong North again, a lot of advers- adversity with their uh, uh, with a, or a Mercury Capri. Boom, fourth place and Running Bulls always there. All Running Bulls, so those guys are so reliable with their E thirty. Boom, third place, and of course the MR two in second and NLS in first. So Bill's going to hate me because I I have these wild-ass ideas in the middle of podcasts, and I say them, and then they have to happen because I okay. put them out there. So I think we're going to start a tradition that after every race, we're going to name like the, the, the team that uh, that had like a ton of adversity but still ended up with a great result. So, uh, and then we're going to, I'll come up with a name for the award. Um, okay. so, so who would be the, that team in this race who, who battled a problem or issues, but still ended up having a great finish. I think it's gotta be team infinity. Okay. Um, the shark car is always a, cl- a crowd favorite, um, with the kids, especially cause it looks, you know, it's got an old infinity. You'd look at this thing and. You know, you think, man, there's no way this ain't going to finish. <laughs> and then, uh, but it's also a car that Ed, um, Ed actually drives that to work every day. Okay. In Florida. Okay. And he drives it to the track. Sometimes. If the track's close enough, he'll drive it. And he won the Daytona 14 hour last year okay. in that car. So Ed, um, yeah, uh, that was a great, a great uh, way to finish the day, especially with uh, some issues you had. And some of them were self you know, self-made issues. And, you know, if you can come back from those, you, you've done a good time. And we've all done things like that, you know. All right. The Inside yeah. Champ Car Perseverance Award winner. There for, you go. For the Road Atlanta race, the 14 hours of Road Atlanta is going to be Team Infinity, the number 19 car. And uh, finished sixth despite all of the issues that they had throughout the race. Fantastic. Yep. All right, so why don't we do this? Let's do the uh, let's do the the little winter circle interview, and uh, we'll listen to that while Bill was the, there and talk with the guys from NLS after the race. We'll do that, and then we'll come back and 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 wrap up the segment right after that. Here, this is these are this is winter circle from Atlanta. Down here with NLS Racing, you were driving that car, <laughs> driving the tail off that thing. Well, we uh, fought with it all day. Um, Caught a break there, hate to hit, see what happened to the visceral guys. Um, they, they really had it, and after that, it was just finished. Um, saw the fuel light come on about 10 minutes to go, so uh, we, we make it interesting around here. So just babied it and got got it home. Any other issues towards that towards the end other than the fuel light? Well, y'all black flagged me. Um, <laughs> I guess I passed under caution, so we got to go back and look at that. So, we, you know, we kind of took that, and after that, had one more lap and just, just kind of hung on and, and brought it home. Car was great. Uh, guys did it. Um, super excited. So with that MR2 behind you, were you were you worried at all, or was it just keep ahead of them a certain amount? Yeah, so we were pacing. Um, didn't want them to get back on the lead lap and have a caution come out um, and, and have my chance to catch up the field. Um, so, yeah, 
just, just got to monitor. Again. I don't know what happened there. The cold is affecting the batteries. <laughs> so with that MR2 behind you, did that affect your uh, your strategy at all? Did you just stay ahead of him, or uh, did it worry you at all? Yeah, just getting updates. Um, didn't want him to get up behind us and get back on the lead lap. Uh, at that point, you know, caution comes out, brings him around the field. It would have got interesting. So we were just monitoring. Um, had plenty of speed left in the car, just mileaging, make sure we got it home. Cool. Uh, you going to go to Disneyland now? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Been twice. We're, we're good with Disneyland. There you go. Yeah. So who are the drivers this weekend? Uh, gosh, so we got Jeremy Boise here, um, twice in the car. The other two aren't here. The other two aren't here right now. The other two just quit. Uh, Cliff, or, Cliff So Cliff, the crew chief, man, yes, you, you looked worried back there, just I'm, like just like the ladies did at uh, AMP. Yes, I'm a nervous wreck. <laughs> our, uh, anxiety runs in our family, you could say, but we got it done. I don't know. It never gets any easier. I've been watching Dan win races for 25 years now, and uh, never gets easier. But I can't do it with a better group of guys. Between Dan, Corey. Corey, my buddy Jeremy, everybody that shows up here, this is just, uh, this is awesome. So you guys had a lot of preparing to do after the disappointments at VIR and a couple other joints. Yeah, uh, six weeks ago, this car, uh, the right front strut towers pushed in about four inches. So we uh, we went to work over the Christmas break and got it back together. And I, I think it's okay, to be honest with you, you know. So the uh, our rental car, our 300ZX, we had to put a motor in it after VIR and it made it about halfway today, and we puked another one. So we'll have to go back to work on that, see if we can't get a double podium. That's going to be our goal for the year. Cool. All right, congrats, guys. Yep. First place here at Road Atlanta. That's a big one. Yes, Road Atlanta is a huge one. We've won at AMP twice, Charlotte once, which is a favorite track, but Road Atlanta is just iconic. You know, everybody around the world knows this track. So. What's next up? Uh, we'll probably be at VIR in four weeks. Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys, congratulations to all you guys and the whole crew of them. NLS right, Racing. The winners of the Michelin uh, Road Atlanta, or Michelin Raceway Road Atlanta, 14 hours of Road Atlanta for the Champ Car Endurance Series. They seemed pretty amped up after that thing was oh, over, man. Bill. That, that whole family, it's they're, they're a trip to watch on pit lane, man. It's, uh, it's you know, it, it, even in the, the paddock, but they are just pacing back and forth, waiting for that flag to drop. And when, they, you, when you say nervous, they... They get nervous and Absolutely. they're looking at notes. They're looking at everything. So congratulations to them. They, they earned that win. They, they worked hard to get there. So when the, I mean, obviously you, you never really want to see, well, you do want to see the other team have problems as long as nobody gets hurt. So right. when the Vistel car had its issues, were you anywhere near the NLS team on pit road to see what their reactions were? Um, I was actually down by Freddie Mercury when that okay. happened. So, okay. and then I, I walked up, I was done with that. And then I walked up to the tower and that's when I saw them come back. And of course it's uh, everybody was pitting when Ron, you know, Ron pit at the same time, which in, in visceral racing as NLS. And so it was a fight to uh, see who was going, who was leaving um, pit lane first. So right. Visceral won that one. But uh, you know, right after that, and I was in the tower, Got you know, it. everybody was like, Bill, why isn't Bill on pit lane? Well, you know, I don't know when this stuff is <laughs> going to happen. Of course. <laughs> you know, so. it's like taking a picture of the track. You uh, you sit there for an hour waiting for that spin right. or whatever. And nothing happens. You turn away to walk away. And, and the whole it's the big one. Just every happened, time. You know? Every time. Yeah. All right. So let's do our tech, our tech tip at this point in time. Uh, this is the maybe the least expensive tech tip we're ever yeah. going to talk about. Yep. And uh, does not include. uh uh, well, it, it's it's a super simple one, and something I saw this weekend, the dollar notebook. Yeah, you know, you go to the dollar store, pick yourself up a little notebook and a pencil or a pen. You had mentioned a pencil because the rain won't hurt those, you yep. know, won't wash away. But take notes of everything. You know, I had I saw a team they had they had had some issues last year, and they were talking about we don't remember what it was, you know, but you know what we fixed. But I think I I think I remember, and it's one of those things when you have those notebooks. Um, the notes from the last race. And that's something I do when I get home. I put an Excel spreadsheet when I was racing, yeah. well, you know, what happened, where it happened, but I have my little notebook where I wrote it down and uh, you know, how much, you know, what the tire pressures were, what the outside temperatures were, what tires I used. Cause sometimes, you know, you forget that I didn't use a Dunlops that race. I, I, you know, they didn't have them in stock or whatever. And I had to get some other tires. Um, so how they performed um, my alignment settings, you know, we do different alignments for different tracks um my suspension settings because some tracks were a little bumpier than others you know which shocks did i use um 
you know, a lot of stuff like that. We didn't talk about the old days because, you know, you, you, you know, you, you try not to share too much info to give away your performance advantage. But, um, you know, how many wheels stayed on my car? That was always a big thing. You know, where the wheels broke and, and what corners they broke in. So I knew that, OK, maybe uh, I had a uh, bottoming issue and that bottoming issue caused uh, caused the hub to break. And uh, Pittsburgh, you know, that, that happened to us there on the old track before the repave under braking. The car would just sit there on the bump stops and actually on the sh- chassis because I think it pushed the bump stops out. But it's little notes like that that you can go back to yep. and and uh, figure out problems or sort out, you know, and everybody at the top of the pack does that. Yeah. And so, so I, I'm, I'm a crew chief guy. I mean, I love to drive. And, and, and if I were to, you know, get to a point where I could never drive again, I'd be fine with that because I love the strategy, the crew chief, that kind of stuff. And I, so when I'm at the racetrack, I spend a lot of time on pit, pit lane and I'm always watching, you know, what people are doing. And I had an opportunity to sit down and talk with um, a crew chief for an IMSA team and I won't call him out. Um, it's not calling him out, but I'll I'll let the name remain nameless. But one of the things we talked about is he does the exact same thing you said, but he also takes another step. And I said, so do you have a different folder? Because he does everything on the computer. So do you have a different file for each racetrack? He goes, I do. But then I take that file at the end of every... So so I have a, a file for every racetrack, a file for every car, and then I have the big file. So I, I cut and paste everything into a, a big notebook of everything I've ever done. Because if I can't remember something about a particular track or a particular car, I can use the find function and it will scroll through 20 years of notes right. and find that for me because, you know, we can't always remember everything. And I thought that was brilliant. You yeah. know, so he's got a couple different files. He knows exactly how he can find it and he can get to the information really fast. And of course, in the middle of a race, sometimes you don't have time to go searching for this stuff. Right. And that was something that, you know, we've been to tracks where it's like, oh, man, you know, I know we were here five years ago and, and it was just as cold. Yep. You know, what were my air pressure settings? Because that worked really well. There was one one race where I had it was. Was it Road Atlanta? I forget. It might. It was either Road Atlanta or VIR where I had everything spot on. I mean, the car handled better than it has ever, ever handled. Right. And when I say ever out of the hundred plus <laughs> races, you ever, know, ever, in, in, ever, yeah, ever track days or whatever, never did it ever perform like that. And I did not write anything down. Oh. I don't even know. I do not even know what my settings were. I may have had a lot of can or cat or a toe in the back, or I may not have, I, I don't remember. And it was one of those things that, you know, I got home, we pulled everything off. We started fixing things like, Oh, I forgot to measure the alignment. And that was one thing that uh, I learned from Riley um, when they get, you know, after the race, they get back, they put it up on the, yeah, uh, on the rack and measure everything and then take those notes. So just in case something was left out or if the car handled great at the end of the race, you know, what was that that caused that handling? You know, did it get touched in the back, which caused a little more toe or camber? And maybe that helped the handling. So, you know, you can learn a lot from that. And you can also learn a lot from knowing what your baseline was at the start of the race. Yes. Or as much as possible, because, of course, you probably you might not have the ability to measure after you got to the track to the start of the race. Right. But well, you can measure you can measure your suspension settings with those with a uh, fishing line or string. Sure. Just sure. string. But uh, uh, and some jack stamps. But if you don't it. didn't have the time or didn't take the time, at least you know right. what it was when you got to the track. And if, right. if you measure when you got home, you can also kind of get an idea of what happened to the car over 14 yep. hours. Yep. You know, and if you had a wildly different toe or something and you didn't get into a, an incident that would cause it you could then go okay that that particular part something bent and then you can go back and realize okay i gotta beef that that part up or something and and you're with your notes you can go back and say you know when you go back there the following year you can you can tell your team you know if you guys hit that hole and turn at turn 11 or yeah at turn 11 again i'm gonna start pulling drivers out of the car because you guys toasted a wheel you messed up the alignment for everybody else um Sure. Which was me because everybody was hitting that that hole except for me. But uh, it, sure, it's, it's, it was. No, so we have video. We had video proof. <laughs> everybody split the cost of the wheels, so <laughs> it was cheap for them. But right. it's it's one of those things that you can go back and look. You know, the notes you can look at. You know, pre. You know, look at them from last year, the last time you raced it. So that's my tech tip of the day. Uh, super easy. A notebook. 
$1 at the dollar store, maybe even less, or even just, I mean, your kids probably have notebooks left over from, from, uh, you know, of course, from, from whatever grade they were in last year, because, you know, they need something new every year. So exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right. Anything else before we get out of this segment? No, I mean, it's uh it was a good race. Um, I really, I really enjoyed it. Uh, lots of action. We were a little low on car count, but uh, that could have been for various reasons, weather, the, that huge storm that came through and uh, you know, the pandemic still going on. I know we had some teams having a hard time finding drivers. So uh, I know that uh, there's a lot of folks out there looking for rides. Um, we have our arrive and drive set up and uh, always email the event director. If you're looking for a ride and uh, he might know somebody that's looking for drivers or crew or something. So there's always ways to find uh, find your way in at champ car. There you go. There you go. And if you need information about champ car, you can always go to champcar.org. Uh, lots of information there. And, and, and most of it's good. Because Bill, most of it, yeah, the stuff that it, Bill so didn't do is really good information. Yes, <laughs> uh, the rest of it, yeah, you know, not so much. But no, so lots of great stuff there. Uh, there's also a list of teams that do arrive and drive there. You can go that way, and and so there's lots of different ways to get involved. So, all right, that's going to do it for this segment here on Inside Champ Car. When we come back, we're going to go deep dive with the crew chief from NLS Racing, Cliff Beisler. We'll be right back. Every race weekend, you don't know what's going to happen. But with ChampCar.Live, all the action comes right into your living room. The Champ Car Endurance Series is North America's home to real competitive endurance road racing. And ChampCar.Live brings you live, full race coverage with in-car, trackside cameras, interviews, and expert commentary. And ChampCar.Live brings you live, full race coverage with in-car and trackside cameras, interviews, and expert commentary. Check out ChampCar.Live on the web, subscribe, and ring the bell so as not to miss a single minute of the action. It's fun, free, informative, and it's just a click away. ChampCar.Live, come check us out. We bring you a front row seat, but you'll only need the edge. Welcome back to Inside Champ Car. He's Bill Strong. I'm Brian Belansky. Joining us now, the Road Atlanta race-winning crew chief, uh, uh, Cliff Beisler. I asked him how to pronounce it. He gave me the right information. Uh, he and is I'll a crew still ch- get it wrong. Yeah, well, I got more time for that. And, and I probably will at some point in time, so I will apologize ahead of time. He is the crew chief on the NLS Racing Nissan uh, 240SX, car number 97. Nissan or Nissan? Nissan, and it's 977. 977. Yeah. Okay, there we go. I see Nissan. Okay. All right. So so I hear there's a huge controversy. Some people think you've got a, 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 a minivan motor in this car. Other people think you've got a 300 motor in the car. And then I've heard another group of people who thought that you've got the GTP motor from the Jeff Brabham cars in the <laughs> 1980s in your car. Which it is like it, it, or will you just not tell us? Oh, I'll tell anything anybody ever has to ask. We're very open with what we do. But will it be the truth? That's the question. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Okay, Brian Tuttle. Yeah. No, don't. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just say I know the Nissan engine families very, very well. Um, The motor that's in our car is from a 96 Nissan Maxima. And that motor is only in the 96 and 97 Nissan Maximas. And they're, uh, they only output about 189 horsepower. They don't have uh, some cooling upgrades Nissan did in the later years and that type of thing. So uh, there's some very distinct ways to tell which Nissan VQ30 you have. So we run the Nissan VQ, VQ30 from the uh, 96 Maxima, the um we have to run the lower oil pan off of the rear wheel drive setup because that car is transversely front wheel drive. So there is some modifications that we have to make in those types of things. Um, and we pay points for all that kind of stuff. And we also use the transmission from a 350Z. So it's the CD009 uh, six-speed transmission, which we pay 25 points for the transmission swap there also. So. Cool, cool. So you were the race-winning car at Road Atlanta. Uh, let's talk about that real quick. So h- how was the run? Obviously, 14 hours. You must have run pretty well if you won the race. Any any issues throughout the day? Yeah, we, we had a couple of issues. Um, Road Atlanta is a little bit harder on fuel mileage. 
uh, than most tracks. Uh, we're very close to that two hour mark. And early on, the motor was running really cool. And I think that was causing us to burn a little bit extra fuel. And so we actually did have to make an extra pit stop. You know, 14 hour race, you try to make it in six pit stops typically. And I think that's the schedule Visceral was on. And they definitely probably had us beat. You know, when they spun at the end there, they had us up by two laps. And I don't think we were going to catch them. But uh, so we had to make an extra pit stop. Um, but other than that, the car was pretty flawless. We fought some brake pulsation issues. We uh, attribute to possible overcooling. Uh, temps were in the 30s most of the day. So that was uh, one thing we're going to have to look into to figure that out. But uh, pretty much just uh, logged laps at that point and, uh, you know, stayed clean. Not not any contact uh, all day long. So that's always a plus. So <clears throat> with the change in the rules, with the amount of fuel that we can have in the cars, fuel mm -hmm. cell cars have to have can only have two gallons total including what's in the fuel fill right but stock tanked cars can also have over two gallons but only what's in the fuel fill maximum That's exactly did, right did that affect you this year i mean so did, so has that affected you so far it did not and um we we run a stock tank in our car with the stock filler neck um that's always been the setup we run we had plans to go to a big, huge filler neck this winter, but Champ Car sort of closed that loophole, as I like to call it, which I think it needed to be cleaned up. You know, there were some teams really taking advantage of it, had their filler necks up in their B-post windows, you know, and uh, that could get dangerous. You know, there's a number of reasons why I think it needed to be cleaned up, but no, that didn't affect us. Uh, I heard some other teams, I think Leviathan, it affected them. That oh, yeah, uh, cost them a yeah. little bit of time. So That added uh, an know, extra stop onto them, too, just like you. Yep. Yep, exactly. So yeah, we are all we've always been very close to that two hour mark. Most tracks we can make it, um, especially if I can get the drivers to keep their foot out of it. Right, right, right. So was that was that a big thing? Was, uh, you know, letting off a little early for the corner, stay off the fuel as much as, you know, as you can. Absolutely. With keeping the speed up. Yeah. And, you know, it's everything endurance racing. To me, every decision I make comes back to two things. Is it going to Increase if you increase speed, you're more than likely reducing reliability. So it's always a trade-off between those two. So uh, we have our shift lights set very low, probably a thousand RPM under what it could go to if they need it at the end of the race. And it gets those guys in the habit of shifting early and uh, trying to coast into corners more and things like that. And um, these races are way too long to be pushing it every lap, a hundred percent. So are you trying to get your drivers to conserve right from lap one? Um, it depends on the track mostly, but at road Atlanta, once we, we, once we get up into the top five and we think we've got a shot at it, we definitely are going to do that. Um, unless it's a track where we know we can make it, or it's a shorter race, like a seven or an eight hour, um, there's enough time built into those. Um, and we also play with our strategy, you know, catching a full course caution is key. I think we caught a full course caution. I think our second or third pit stop Saturday and uh, we didn't even lose a lap by pitting and doing our five minutes because the full course caution on their pace car was so long. So that really paid off for us. And in these longer races, you can take advantage of those things. And uh, one thing we always remember is every pit stop five minutes. So if you add up six pit stops in a day, that's a 30 minute window you've got to play with throughout the race. So we, we're always working the race backwards. Uh, I've got some Excel spreadsheets and stuff that help me with that. But yeah, it's always part of the strategy to save fuel. So you mentioned that you had some some cooling problems with the brakes. Now, I mean, we, we do this a lot and and n never do we think about the brakes not getting hot enough. Yeah. So so do you have an idea of is it a different brake rotor combination for another race that might be in the 30s again down the road? Because, I mean, last year at Road Atlanta, you guys had snow. So, yeah. you know, it seems as though these, these early season races, cold weather is not going to be uncommon. Uh, right. What are your thoughts on, on a, a different possible setup for cold weather races in the brake department? Well, I've got um, I'm, I've got my pads and rotors off the car, and I'm lucky to be in the Charlotte or North Carolina area somewhat. And I work with uh, Carbotech brakes a lot. Um, they've always helped us out and are very supportive on their technology. And he asked me to bring the pads and rotors by, get his opinion on it. But, uh, yeah, I think it might be possible that we're overcooling. I'm not sure. I mean, road Atlanta's got some real long straightaways. And if you're pumping 
we've got two three inch brake ducts going to our rotors mm-hmm. and if you're pumping in 30 degree air down that whole straightaway, right. you know, it, they may or may not be working right. So it may be uh, contributed to overcooling, causing pad deposits to build up on the rotor, not so much as a, a warpage issue, but more right. of a pad right. deposit issue. And that's a lot of times what we find with vibrations and endurance racing is it may not necessarily be warping, but pad deposits. So, you know, for VIR coming up here in three weeks, we've got, we'll, we'll be there. Um, we'll probably close up one of our brake ducts just to try to keep the heat in them. We know our pads and brake packets can take the heat because we've run the same setup in the 24 hour and ran the same brakes the whole entire time. And it's fine. And that's in the middle of August. So sure. yeah, we'll, we'll do a little bit. I'm going to uh, go back to try some rotor paint to see which actual temperatures we're running in. VR is kind of tricky because there's no test day, no practice. You show up and your first lap is green flag. So, right. um, but we, we've run that race a bunch and we think we got a pretty good package going together for there. Well, and the old trick of, you know, you know, riding the brakes a little bit going into the corner can also help a lot. And if, if your brakes are going okay for 24 hours in a 14 hour race, doing that probably wouldn't be an issue. So there's another option, but yep, you also absolutely. have to have drivers who you can train to be able to do that. And then they also have to remember to do that in the heat of the action. Uh, so that's also an issue as well. So, um, yeah. uh, so w- w- let's talk about this whole champ car thing. You know, yeah. I, I, I am I am the newbie on the on the panel here, and and I always have the dumb the dumb newbie questions. Uh, I I come with experience in other series, and now I'm learning the champ car game. What what's your what's the attraction for you to come race champ car? Well, um, you know, we this is our start of our seventh year, and probably eight or nine years ago, you know, me and my buddies, we've always been around racing. You know, I grew up racing go-karts as a kid um, and that kind of thing. And I actually moved to North Carolina to get in the motorsports industry uh, when I finished high school. So it had always been a passion of mine and we wanted to get into racing somehow. And we really started looking at everything that's available. I live in Hickory. So we could go race at the famous short track in the world every Saturday night if we wanted to. But when you start breaking down dollar, Per t- track time, there's no better series than Champ Car, especially for a group of four or five people. You know what I mean? It, it, we thought about building a late model or a, a truck late model or something like that. And then you got one driver, he gets one practice session, two qualifying laps, and a feature race. And you're spending, you know, a ton of money. You right. Know? So it, it really came down to track time versus dollar. And we re- we went, we watched a couple races at VIR. Um, and just absolutely fell in love with it. And then at that point, it was just picking a car and and getting to work building the thing. So why did you pick the 240? Um, we definitely wanted something rear-wheel drive, um, and we didn't want a Miata, and we didn't want a BMW because that's what everybody has. Yeah, so right. we didn't, yeah. And it's just uh, one of those things. And funny enough, my dad was a... Um, a parts manager at a Nissan dealership in Annapolis, Maryland, as I was growing up. And he built with his buddies, he raced uh, SCCA and the old, uh, the Datsun 240, 260, oh, yeah. 280. So I was, you know, at five, six years old at Summit Point, West Virginia, with a watching a field of 60 ITS cars come down to take the green flag. And it was always a Nissan thing there. And, uh, you know, just, I don't know, it, we, it seemed like a good way to go. So. Well, I, one of my best friends, uh, my best racing buddy, started with a 200 SX, yep. and then when he rolled that thing over, he he decided to rebuild that. So I have I helped him with put a whole new tub together. Then he transferred up to a 240. So I know those cars really well. And and there's there's also an ease of of working on those cars. They they make sense. You know, yes. things are where they belong. Pulling a motor out doesn't require the skinniest human being in the world to squeeze the little tiny <laughs> yeah. spot because I am not the skinniest human being in the world. So, you know, it, it, there's just something um, smart about the way the Nissans are put together, which makes yeah. them really good for people who aren't necessarily, you know, master mechanics to work on them. And that also helps as well. So uh, and 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 I will tell you, I, I spent my life racing Hondas mostly, but uh, I fell in love with motorsports because of that Nissan GTP car I talked about earlier. That that was yep. one of the first races I went to, and I saw this car and the sound it made, and and it was the red, white, and blue, and it was just gorgeous. And and yep. so I, I get the idea of of why you would want to go out and, and race the Nissan. So, so very very cool. So Cliff, race morning. 
you know, you're, you, you've been up all night getting things prepped, drinking some beers, whatever. <laughs> what is the thing as a crew chief, you're standing there in pit lane and the cars come down that front story. What goes through your mind as those cars cross the start finish line? Start finish line to take the green flag. It's almost a, uh, a relief when they take the green flag, you know, you've, you've sort of made, made your bet at that point. And, uh, that's something we learned over the years. You need to be confident when they take that green flag that you've done everything you can to take it off. So it's, uh, at that point it's settle in, you know, you start getting your computer set up to look at telemetry and you're starting to think about, uh, you know, pit stops and all that kind of stuff. But really when they take the green flag, if, uh, if you don't got it, then you're not going to have it at the end. So the, the work is almost over at that point, you know, and you have yeah, to- I've seen, oh, go ahead. I've seen car, I've seen cars come down and, and, you know, you could see the green flag in the hand and they come down pit lane and, you know, it's just not going to be a good day for those guys. Yes. Yeah. We've been that car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. and as the crew chief, even if you don't have that confidence, you have to act like you do because you've got you know three drivers that are looking at you as the, as the one driver comes down. And and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you might know that maybe there might be an issue somewhere online because this didn't get done or, or we're trying something new this weekend. Uh, so you've got to be able to just like, you know, fake it till you make it act like you've been there before. And hopefully you get through the, the 14 hours or whatever the length of the yeah. race is without having too many issues. So. Well, that's something that, uh, you know, you say, hopefully you get through that 14 hours. You look at your drivers, but Cliff, you guys have more than drivers at the track. You have your families. I mean, <laughs> you know, wives, girlfriends. I don't know what they are. Yeah. I don't judge <laughs> <laughs> the wives might, but no, um, you guys have your families there, which is pretty freaking awesome because, you know, they're a part of it and they they're up there at amp. Um, you guys were fighting and fighting with 901 Motorsports and and Visceral, and uh, it was back and forth. And uh, your, uh, I think it was your sister. Yes, was it your sister, of course. <laughs> yeah, your, your sister was up there just bawling. I mean, she just she couldn't watch, but she turned to watch. Yep. I couldn't. Watch. I mean, yep. it was pretty awesome. What's yeah. it? I mean, how did your family get involved in all this stuff? Well, well, as I said, you know, as a kid, my dad was always a big motorsports guy, and um, started racing go karts. At about 12 or 13, I can't remember the exact year. And my best friend at the time, uh, Corey Danley, is one of our drivers. So we've been friends for over 25 years. And he came to the go-kart track with me. And, um, you know, my my mom and my dad and my sister would come to all the races as a kid. And we we had a saying, a family that races together stays together. And it can't be more true. You know, we have... um, the team NLS has five owners essentially and all of our wives and our fa- and our kids, they all love to come to the racetrack. Um, and it's just a family atmosphere. You know, we plan vacations around racing and you know, the race is almost secondhand to everyone just being there, having a good time. Right. So that saying a family that races together stays together can't be more true. So you said you've got five owners. I see on the website that you've got some arrive and drive opportunities. Yep. Uh, let folks know how they can get involved with NLS racing. Yeah, we um, the end of last year, we put on a second car. It's a um, 87 300ZX, so the Z31 platform, and it's our uh, rental car. And uh, if anybody's interested, you know, you go to NLSRacing.com. That's our website. Uh, there's some links on there that tells about the team. And, uh, you know, we'll have some rental opportunities available. I, th- I believe we're sold out for VIR coming up here in a couple of weeks. And then, uh, but the rest of the schedule will have some open time and that type of thing. And that's another thing that's awesome about Champ Car. You know, we took on a second car and we haven't recouped the complete cost of having that second car yet, but we also haven't really paid out any money out of our pocket. So you can use that rental money to support two vehicles um, if you do it right. You right, know? right. So tell us what your schedule looks like for the rest of the year. What do you, you said you're going to VIR. What, what else do you have coming up? Uh, after VIR, um, if we get through there cleanly, we're, we're hoping to go to Ozarks and try to compete for the national championship. Um, it's, uh, it's a haul out there for us, and we're a small team on a budget, but uh, we may be able to make it happen. And that's a pretty cool looking track and it would just be a neat thing to go to. Um, after that, uh, we're definitely doing CMP in June, possibly the 24, depending on how CMP goes. Those races are pretty close together. And then uh, we really ramp up in the fall again and we'll go back to AMP, um, VIR North Course, of course. And then we may sprinkle in Barber or something like that. We try to stay in the Southeast. We don't, 
we're very lucky. We've got about four or five tracks within five hours. So uh, that's normally the distance we like to go. So being a small team, I'm guessing your end of the year plans have a lot to do with how successful you are at not balling up cars early in the season, right? Well, not just the end of the year, but the next race plans <laughs> depend on that. You know, and it, uh, and it doesn't normally always come down to money. You know, it's fixing the cars. It's the time, really. Right. Uh, you know, we all are full-time blue-collar workers, and we're busting our butts day in, day out um, to make a living. And then we have families, and we all have kids, and it's hard to find evenings. But we try to piece them together um, and try to make it work. So, yeah, it really depends on how a race goes as to when we're racing again. Cliff, the uh, Nissan has a really nice contingency program that you're part of. How does that work out for you? Oh, yeah, that's something. Another reason we stick with Nissan. It's a phenomenal program they have uh, supporting grassroots motorsports. It's across the industry. Basically, you put Nissan stickers on your car, you register with them. And if you win a race, you get a thousand bucks and then uh, they pay out for the top five. Um, and we've, we've taken advantage of it quite a few times and that always helps, you know, that's, a, that's a big thing for us. You know, if we, if we can manage to win a race, we about have the next entry fee paid for, for just from Nissan. There you go. Any other yeah, sponsors? Big shout out to them. Great, great. Any other sponsors you want to say hi to and give a shout out to before we get wrapped up here? Yeah, no doubt. So we, we work a lot with Bollinger Motorsports. I always mess up the pronunciation of it. So a uh, big shout out to James. He's always helping us with everything. Um, Carbotech, brake pads, we use them a lot. Um, and, uh, of course, Nine Lives Wings. We're part of the Wang Gang, and we, we love that arrow that they provide for us. And Johnny was there this past weekend. Did you get any tips from him? No, we didn't. He looked kind of busy. He was actually a couple pit yeah. stalls up from us. We've got a wing on order for our rental car, and it was kind of a – it's been a little bit behind, but they're very busy, and we get yeah. it. But I, I was going to bug them about it, and I said, now it's not the time, So, but it <laughs> shipped out. So they're always – they're always very helpful. You yes. know, they, uh, he's really, he's really got some things that are taken off and he's, he's brought a great wing and an affordable price to our industry. And, uh, you know, we really appreciate that. Yep. All right, Bill, you got anything else before we head out here? That's it, man. Good luck at the next one. All right. Yeah. I just want to give a shout out real quick to, to my, to the other team owners on yeah. the car, Corey Danley. Uh, and Dan Kohler, the two of us have been best friends since we were kids. Um, my brother-in-law, Corey Brown, who's married to my sister. That's why she's always at the racetrack. And uh, Jeremy Boyce. Uh, we've been friends since about 18 years old uh, when we went to a motorsports program at a community college in Hickory, North Carolina. So big shout out to my guys. Couldn't do it without them and all the families. We couldn't do it without them either. That's going to do it. Cliff Beisler, I appreciate you being with us uh, on this episode of Inside Champ Car. It's great to talk with you. I'm sure we'll have a chance to catch up here down the road. Yep. Hopefully we see you again if we win another one. Very good. Uh, we will be back after this break to talk about a little bit about what's up on our next episode. I'm Brian Belansky. He is Bill Strong. We'll be right back. Inside Champ Car is a podcast that takes a deep dive into all things going on with the Champ Car Endurance Series. Hosted by veteran journalist, radio host, and racer Brian Belansky and Champ Car's very own Bill Strong, we talk to drivers, team bosses, tech gurus, and series supporters. Episodes air every week in time for you to listen on your way to the track. Inside Champ Car is on the Racing Wire podcast network found on Apple, Spotify, Google, and most popular podcasting apps. Welcome back to the Inside Champ Car Podcast. I'm Brian Belansky. And I'm Bill Strong. I almost forgot who I, I know. Was. I know. I've, I've done that before. Forgotten who you are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> another great episode, Bill. I, you know, yeah. Cliff's a, gosh, he's just a wealth of information. Yeah, he's he's fun to watch work. He's fun to, to uh, listen to talk and uh, just having fun out there. And that's I think we kind of lose lose that as a lot of these teams progress through the series. They take they start taking it serious and uh, it's every little failure. Just uh, it kills them. You could see it just take a bit out of their life. But uh, Cliff and that uh, those, all of Corey and all those guys, they are just happy to be there. They're happy to have fun and they're doing well at it. And they're not you know, the fun's not going away from them. They've been at it, what, seven years now. So, hey, we got the uh, Oak Tree 12 hour at Virginia International Raceway coming up here in a couple of weeks or three weeks, four weeks, something like that. Call it the and uh, no more Oak Tree 12 hour. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, there is an oak tree there. It's on the outside of the turn now. It's a little bit. Like, should we call it the but, oak uh, sapling 12 hour? <laughs> yeah. Oak, oak tree junior. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and uh, we have right currently we have 23 cars entered and that climbed up a little bit from uh, what we had the other day. So uh, guys are starting to sign up for it. And I think, again, it's folks are um, looking at uh, uh, the weather and also as the pandemic winds down for this round. I think we'll start seeing more teams showing up. Bliss Racing showing up with two Camaros. I've raced with them a, a couple of times. Absolutely fun cars to drive. Sure. I had so much fun at VIR driving their cars. Cool. Um, the uh, We have uh, CMP with their Honda Prelude, CMP Racing. Um, let's see who else. Uh, maximum Effort. They haven't been out in a while, but uh, they're there. And uh, Sparrow Speed is back. Tag Racing. Uh, the Stug. The Enterprise has entered. The Enterprise, anybody from the old chump car days, okay. the, the Enterprise is this huge 70, I think 72 or 73 Ford LTD. I have uh, an image that was taken by one of our uh, uh, photographers at Daytona, and they're in the banking, and the Enterprise is right next to a Miata, and uh, the Miata looked like it could sit in the trunk. That's how little it looked. <laughs> I was going to say, you and- could put two Miatas in that LTD. It is one of the most iconic images of Champ Car or Chump Car, Champ Car, whatever we were at that so time, cool. even now. And because of the size differential and speed differential, sure. that car is so fast. Uh, Valerian Steel, I'm thinking Valerian will uh, will be right up there for the win um, with this group so far entered. Uh, and uh, Virginia Tech uh, has a, a school team. They're going to be there with their brand new Focus SVT. They have a new round of students. They run their team. Virginia Tech team, um, like a Formula SAE okay. team. So it's the senior. This is a senior project. The car gets to stay with them for two years um, for the next round of seniors, and then they have to sell it. And which, if you've noticed, the uh, their last Honda they had was uh, up on the state uh, auction block because it's a state-owned right, vehicle. Okay. It's a it's Virginia Tech's state school, and then they, they bought a Ford Focus. So now they're doing that. And uh, speaking of the Ford Focus. Um, Next week, we have Bernie Myers, uh, who runs with the Blue Shells team. Um, we'll have him on our show. Uh, Bernie is uh, kind of famous uh, as he's a, uh, a crew chief or head mechanic. And yeah, crew chief and a head mechanic for Dale Coin Racing, which was a IndyCar or champ. A, a, pff, did they used to call that thing champ they car? They did. I don't used know to why. Call it champ car. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> team. So Bernie will be with us next week, and uh, Bernie is uh, has a lot of stories. And it's, I watch him on Facebook, and some of the stories are just incredible. Some of them you, you know you can't really talk about public, but you know Bernie's such a nice guy, full of information, and uh, a really good car builder. Is too. this going to have to be one of those episodes where we do a bonus edition because we can't get? Oh, that would be cause, awesome. Because I've yeah. done that before, where you know we try to keep these to about an hour, you know, because I think yeah. that's where people's attention spans die at least that's where mine yeah. dies and and um but i've done episodes where i i talk with the guest for you know an hour and a half and i just clip that next 45 minutes and put up a second podcast and if people want that information or that want the rest of that thing go to that so maybe we'll end up going longer than we normally do you know bernie's probably going to be like like chris huggins when i interview him yeah mm. maybe <laughs> <laughs> sure sure you know those 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 are the best interviews because I don't think I'm that great of an interviewer and uh, Chris would do that kind of stuff on me. And I just, you know, how do you pull it out of him? I can't hit him. I can't shake him. I can't push him over the tires, but you know, how can I get him talking? But yeah, it's uh, but yeah, it's going to be fun. Um, Good show coming up. Um, And uh, I think a good race too, in a couple of weeks. Um, Yeah. But yeah. And and that race, I don't think we gave the date. That's going to be March. What is it? Fourth and fifth. Yep. And we have, we have a few things that we do differently than we do at, at later, later okay. races. We're going to allow teams to put about 10% of uh, anti-freeze in their radiators. Okay. Um, it can get cold. We have raced there at 19 degrees. Uh, it was the ice storm or our Eastern championship. One time there were icicles actually on the easy Oof. ups, which was just really, yeah, it sucked. <laughs> um, headlights are required because this is a 12 hour race and it does get dark in Virginia in the winter here. Um, max sound is always 96 DB. Um, this is, uh, the cars do require mufflers and CMP has been, uh, 
notified that their Honda has to have a muffler on there it. There we go. Um, and that's a big joke because he keeps telling me no. Okay. They're they're old nasty. That's all Kenny Schrader's team. Ah, okay. So those guys don't like mufflers. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Um, Kenny may be there. Who, Who knows? knows? I hope so. I like I like watching Kenny Absolutely. race. Um, the uh, uh, Road Atlanta. We had a really good turnout with the guys fixing their stickers as they should have. Um, we had to put the bigger tire rack stickers on the on the windows. I had a, I think maybe five teams that didn't do it. Um, they didn't get that email that I sent out to everybody. But uh, we'll be doing that again, making sure that everybody has their proper decals on their cars. Um, we do have contracts, so we have to do that. And then, uh, again, if you have uh, the ESS fire bottle, um, you do have to take that out of your car at Tech and have it weighed every single race. And uh, Flagtronics will be available to rent and uh, for free. And we'd like to have everybody have them. And they're also available to purchase from Flagtronics. There and there is no subscription fee for Flagtronics ever. So remember that, guys. Nice. Nice. Yeah. No, no fees right, that's, except for the that's purchase. March 4th and 5th, oh, the Oak Tree 12 hour at VIR. When yep. does the race start on the 5th? The race starts at cars roll out at 830 and 840. Sorry. Cars to grid at 830. It roll out about 845. We take a couple of laps and green flag drops at nine and we run until uh, that would be nine, 9 p.m. Even I can do yep. that math. I, well, I had to pull out my, take off my, my slippers <laughs> off so I can count my toes. <laughs> All right. Anything else before we head out this week, Bill? Good show. Thank you. Yep. And uh, thank you to you for hosting this. And the uh, feedback from uh, folks at the racetrack was iffy. You know, they're like, ah, oh, man, it's just droning on and on and on about racing no they are loving it uh, and it's pretty awesome to get all the props of the track i'm getting emails saying great um most of them have you know had one or two tip tips you know like don't talk to don't talk so much that kind of mm. stuff um but you know me <clears throat> you you got all kinds of props oh, man well. nah it, it's uh it's been awesome and thank you guys and uh this is episode three and uh we have how many more to do 51 forever forever we're not going to stop at 51 we're going forever <laughs> all right this is the inside champ car he's bill strong i'm brian Polanski, and this is the racing wire podcasting network